0: Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of first Corinthians chapter nine in verse 24. You know, I just feel that the song that we've been singing now has just been resonating in my mind. I will never end my journey halfway. Not as long as the Lord lives. Today, I'm not going to, it's not a message for everyone because not all of us has a journey or a destination you wake up in the morning sometimes and you look at some people you can't figure out what they're doing and you ask them what are you going to be when you grow up i'll tell you a story in a short while what where are you heading i don't know what are you going to accomplish today do you have a goal for this week is there something that you are going to accomplish this week Let's read together, if you will, stand up on your feet. We'll read all the way through till verse 27. First Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24 to 27. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. It brings light and understanding. This morning, as we go into your word, speak to us for a few minutes. Open our ears and let us hear what you have for us today. As we run our race, we ask O oh God that you strengthen us one by one in Jesus' name. we pray. Amen. Amen, First Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24, one, two, let's read together, go. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run, therefore, in such a way that you may obtain it. Obtain what? It, it, it. You will define what that it is by the time we leave here this morning. In verse 25, it says, and everyone who competes for the prize, they are temperate in all things, but now they do it to obtain a crown that will perish but we are looking for a what an imperishable crown in verse 26 it says therefore i run not with uncertainty i fight not as one that beats the air in verse 27 where we will stop he says but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest after i have preached to others I myself should now be disqualified or another version says be cast away or another version now says be left behind another version says to be omitted and yet another version says uh, to not be taken along I pray God will not leave you behind in the name of Jesus go ahead and take your seat go ahead and take your seat you see today I want to tell you life the Bible compares life to a sport I was going to show you a clip of athletes who were running but because of time, I decided to skip it. They told this guy that he could not win the race because all the people he was running against were champions and that the only way he could win was by getting ahead of the team and the field and running so far ahead that they would not catch up with him. He ran till they were almost at the end and of course, what they expected happened. The East African middle distance champions came along, caught up with him and it looked like what they had said will come to pass. But the man picked up the race from the end and he began to run again until he finally crossed the line and he won in a very improbable race. Life, the Bible tells us, is compared to sport. Life is compared to a race. Inside the Bible and outside of it, when you read Second Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 7, 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says Paul was telling Timothy, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He compares it to a race. When you read Hebrews in chapter 12 in verse 1, it says that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, He said, let us lay aside, therefore, every weight and every sin that easily ensnares us. And let us do what? Run with endurance. What? The race, the race, the race. Life is a race. Life is a race and it is not a sprint. Life is not a sprint because if you run a sprint in 10 seconds... 10 seconds is even a lot now. The world record is now about 9.59 seconds. They train for years to run a race that is over in less than 10 seconds. If you look away by the time they start running, by the time you look back, the race is over. That's how fast that race is now when you talk about sprints. I remember reading a book, a novel. I used to read a lot of fiction back in the day. There was one that was written by James Clavel that was called King Rat that I read. It was set in the Vietnamese prisoner of war setting in where they had captured a lot of prisoners and they put them in the camp. And the only thing that they fed them was rats. They grew those rats. And those rats ate anything that people did not want. They included including themselves. And as long as the rats were left alone, they ate each other. After they set the prisoners free after the Second World War, they forgot the rats in their breeding cages. And so the rats began to eat each other. And they would fight and they eat each other until there was only one rat left. And they called that the king rat. And it was the champion inside the cage. But you know what the problem was? Even though it was the king inside there, it was still a rat. I don't know about you. I am in a race, but I am not in a rat race. I am a a king, but I am not a king rat. I don't know about you. Tell your neighbor I'm in a race, but I'm not in a rat race. The problem with a rat race is that even if you win, you are still a king rat. And God did not make you to be rats. God called us by a different name of an animal. I want to talk to you like in sports. There are five components of any sport that you look at. And if we have time, we'll go over them. Otherwise, we'll pick it up the next time. There is the sport itself whatever that sport is there's a training that goes along with it there are the spectators that come along to watch every sport, there are the rules by which they run and there's a reward let me tell you that again, five things we go over the sports themselves, the training that goes along with it the spectators that come to watch it the rules by which you have to run and the reward or the benefits that come out of it you see, the sport is what God uses as an analogy. In Ephesians in chapter 6, when you read verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What do we do against them? We wrestle that's another analogy of a sport life is about those kind of things wrestling is a sport i used to enjoy when i was much younger i will give you an idea how young how old i am now because the wrestling i used to enjoy was called wrestling from great britain i know many of you have no idea what that is and the favorite wrestler that i had then was a guy named Mel mascaras Mel mascaras we knew that they were lying we knew that it was play acting. I knew it was staged. We knew who was going to win each fight before they even started. But we still enjoyed it because we knew what the result was. And God is like that. He already knows what is going to happen. And so we went through all of this. We went through some time. My brother and I, we were going to arm wrestling. And we would wrestle one another. And we would go back and forth trying to figure out who was the better arm wrestler. But in the end of the day, even though you win the arm wrestling match, what have you won? Nothing. I pray that your life will not just be running around in a circle for nothing. How do you win this race? You see, you must face your race because your race is your own. I cannot say this too many times. Too many times people worry about what the others around you are going to say. And you live your life and you run your race thinking all the time, what will people say? What will people say? I will never forget what my dad told me when we were much younger. And I found out he read it from somewhere. He said, when you are 20, you worry about what people will say about you. You are concerned about what people will feel. He said, when you are 40, he said, you don't care so much what they are thinking again and what they are saying. He said, by the time you are 60, he said, you don't even bother. You don't remember that anybody was talking about you. But it is important that you get into it. One of the nurses in one of the books I read, said, when you ask people who are terminally ill in the last 12 weeks or 12 months or whatever time period of their lives, when you ask them what is one thing that they wish that they had done more of or more integrally or paid more attention to, it will always be they will tell you I wish I would run my race. I wish I had ignored what people were saying. I wish I had left alone the kind of things that people were saying and faced my own race myself. I've yet to see anybody that comes in at the end of their life. And you ask them, what did you wish you had done? And they will tell you, I wish I had worked harder. or I wish. It's always about self-fulfillment. Do not wait until the end of time before you begin to wonder, how would you have run your race? Do I hear amen somebody? Your parents, God bless their hearts; They want the best for you. Your siblings... The people who seem to love you, they want the best for you. I was talking to one of my good young friends recently. And he was struggling in school. And I said, why is it that you're struggling in school? Because what it looks like you're doing, it seems so elementary. And he said, I was not struggling until I started taking classes that will enable me to become an attorney. I said, so why don't you want to be an attorney? He said, I really don't want to be an attorney. I said, then why are you taking the classes? He said, I think that's what my dad would want. I said, you think that's what your dad would want, or your dad told you that's what you want. He said, every time I talk to him, he always tells me about how one of his children, who is an attorney, would take on his practice and become successful. And so I felt pressured to becoming an attorney. And so since I started taking psychology classes, that's why my grades dropped. So I asked him, I said, so what do you want to do? He said, I don't want to do that. I said, have you told your dad? He said, no. I said you need to pick up a phone and tell your dad and tell him dad i love you i agree that you want what's best for me but that is not what i want for myself because at the end of the day you have to be accountable for your own life do you understand what i'm saying i remember many many moons and number of times when people had said to me pastor wale you have been in jesus house for so long you need to go and become a pastor in your own church Pastor Wally, you need to go and become a church wherever it is you are, during your time here. He said, all these people have come out from behind. They have now started their own churches. They have started their own parishes. You need to go and start your own church. And I looked at them and I said, when it is time for for me to go out, I said, God will tell me what it is. And that's why you need to be careful what you listen to and what you hear other people speaking to your life. You see, whoever sends you And whoever commissions you is the person that will fund you, support you, keep you, and strengthen you along the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they will say to me, you need to go because everybody else is gone. I said, my name is not everybody else. You need to be gone because people like you are doing things like this. People like me? How do you know they are like me? How do you know that's the race that I'm supposed to run? You see, God does not want you to be a copycat. God does not want you to be a duplicate. He wants you to be the best original that you can be. Do I hear an amen, somebody? Yeah. You see, I asked one of them and I said, when I get there, we will need a lot of money. Would you buy us drums and buy us instruments and pay the arrears in the rent and open the building and get us somewhere? And he looked at me and he said, I can't afford that. That's not what I'm called to do. I said, I know. Stay in your lane. Don't tell me what to do again. You need to be able to look and say, this is my race that I want to run. And ask God to support you in exactly where it is that you want to go. If a man called you, I guarantee you he will disappoint you. If it is a man that set you up on your race, if you please God, you will disappoint a few people. You will lose a few friends along the way, but then they were not your friends really. If you don't listen to them, it makes you lose them. Am I talking to someone today? You see, everybody has an opinion about what you have to do. Everyone can tell you the things that they need for you to do. And as much as you have your own opinion about what I should do, I have a right to my own decision also, whether I want to listen to you or not. So let me tell your neighbor, run your race. Run your race, run your race, run your race. There's something I read in a book many years ago. It was a book written by Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad poor dad. I will never forget that book because it made a lasting impact on my mind. He was set in Hawaii where the man had two fathers. His biological dad whom he referred to as the poor dad and the father of one of his friends whom he referred to as the rich dad. You can read it by yourself. Rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosuke. His dad was well educated. I have nothing against education. He had a job, but his idea about money was to get all you can and can all you get and sit on the can. And so, as long as he remained seated on the can, he felt that he had everything under control until life happened and it was just a small illness that turned all of that upside down. Whereas he had another friend whose dad was not so much educated, but was an entrepreneur. And live life a little bit on the edge. And this man asked Robert Kiyosaki, he said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he turned and he faced his dad and he says, dad, that depends on you. He said, if you are rich, I'll be a playboy. And if you are poor, I'll be a bum. Does your life depend on anybody else or you? Is your life in your hands? Are you in control of what you are going to do? Because at the end of the day, you have to be accountable for your own destiny and run your own race. Do I hear amen somebody? Help me tap someone this morning and say, are you listening today? Let me go on quickly, talk about the second thing, is the training. I said we will talk about the race. We'll talk about the training. You see, the training is physical. It is mental it is emotional. And every athlete will come to a point in time where you will almost feel like I can't do this anymore. I need to stop. Everybody in life, if you have not yet been there, you will get to one point that the athletes define as the wall. The wall is different for each person. What constitutes your wall, I don't know what it is and what it will be. I remember a Supreme Court justice uh, Porter Stewart in 1969, 1964. He was asked to decide what was the basis of what constituted obscenity in the movies. He said, I don't know what is, con- I don't know how to define obscene. I don't know what to define what is not right. He said, but when I see it, I will know it. There are some things in life that you cannot define, but when you get there, you will get to know it. It is foolish, let me tell you this, to compare yourself with anybody on the racetrack. I have been to the racetrack to watch my children run many times. And I see some people just going along slowly. And I watch them. What are these guys doing? They need to leave the track. And then I see some people coming down, tearing down the racetrack. And one day, I asked one of my daughters, I said, what is this person doing on the track? They need to leave there in order for the other people to go past and she laughed and i looked at her i said what did i say that is funny she said you don't know her i said no And then she went on to rattle off the credentials of that person that she's the 5,000 meter champion that she's just been going through that she was supposed to do 14 laps but she's already done 17 and she's still going on and I was looking at her and I thought, what are you doing here? You're wasting time. Whereas in her own race, she had not only won, she was doing three laps of honor. What lap are you on now? What lap are you on? How fast are you going? How far are you going? Let me say this to you as I begin to shut down. Success in life is never by accident. Success in life is not what? It's not by accident. You have to run after your own destiny. And that's why at the beginning of today, I said, this is time to run. It is not time to stroll. This is the time to run. It is not time to relax. This is the time to run. It is not yet the time to get back and sit down and enjoy the little things that you have done. In your Christian life, let me ask you, how much running are you doing? We said come let's pray you won't come if you don't come someone said to me if you don't pray then you will be the prey i pray you will never be a prey in the name of jesus christ but every opportunity that we have we will give it to you to make sure that you get into the race of life that we're going to run together in these next few days this coming wednesday we will not have bible study on wednesday but on thursday is day one Let's come together and come and load our heavens with praise. So that when you get the attention of God, he will by every means answer you. The only thing that God wants from us is praise. And if you give him an advance payment or a down payment of praise, he never shares his glory with anyone. So that by the time he's ready for you, you are now just walking into it. Make it a date on Thursday. Seven o'clock, we're going to be here loading our clouds together. One by one. Do I hear amen? Amen. Let me go on quickly. Number three, talk about the spectators. So, you have the race, you have the sport, and you have the spectators. Hebrews in chapter 12 that we just read said that seeing that we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, there will always be witnesses around. This is one of the reasons why I applaud all the athletes who run. You see, have you ever watched football, not soccer? Even soccer, let's talk about football first. And you see the quarterback, and there are all sorts of quarterbacks. Oh, you need to have played it this way. You need to have turned it that way. You need to have passed the shot. Didn't you see them? All sorts of quarterbacks come out on that day. For the most part, spectators, I understand, they are cheering you on. Cheering has a way of energizing the people to keep on going. Sharing is a way that energizes people and gives you the effort. When we are watching basketball, you will see them put the noise in the stands. They will say, make noise. And everybody will start making noise so that the noise can drown out the opposition and it will empower the people. It's the same thing with appreciation. When you see someone who is doing well, appreciate them. Oh, thank you so much for the card. I really appreciate the prayers. The gift was very nice. This thing that you got for me was good. And for some people, that's all they need to energize them into the next level of the work that they need to do. Everybody at some point in time needs a cheerleader and, a, and someone to cheer them on. And by the same token, every one of us, at some point in time or the other, you must be a cheerleader for someone. Because what goes around does what? It comes around. Everything goes around. That comes around. Every athlete needs a cheer. It is hard to function without encouragement or praise. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 126, when you read verses one and two, they said, uh, said that when the Lord began to turn around the captivity of Zion, He said we were like them that were dreaming. It says then the heathen said, the Lord has done great things for them, and we are glad. It is the God who has done it, and it is a thank you gift. Not everybody is going to praise you. You see, but everybody has a spectator. Let me stop here this morning. You see, even Jesus Christ had spectators. In John chapter 20, when he died and they had buried him from verse 1, he knew what he was going to do. John chapter 20 from verse 1, he knew what he was going to do. They had buried him and in that morning, Mary Magdalene ran to the tomb to go and look And when she got there, the tomb was scattered. You need to read it and keep it in mind with today. When people bury a dead body, what do they do? They secure the tomb. They put a guard under. They cover it and they make sure that the body is safe against grave diggers and robbers but by the time mary got there in the morning the tomb had been scattered she got inside there and looked the body was gone there was nothing inside there again can you imagine the emotion that she must have felt she turned around and ran to go and look for simon peter and one other one that they called the beloved by the time they ran there and got there one stood in one looked out all Jesus Christ was waiting for at that point in time. Even though whether or not there, they were there, he would still have done what he was doing. But he needed a cheerleading team to go there and be able to say, oh, now we know he's gone. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Tap your neighbor and tell him everybody needs a cheerleader. You see, one thing I can tell you for sure in life, as I stop this morning, is that nothing is sure. One thing I can tell you in life is that nothing is sure. As long as you live in life, you must always get ready to deal with a little bit of disappointment. You see, when you are ready to deal with a little bit of disappointment, then you are willing and able to deal with the issues of life. God never promises that when you get there, things will be exactly the way you want them. That was never what he promised. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. You will have difficulty. He said, but be of good cheer because I have won on your sake. In this life, you must get ready for a little bit of disappointment at every point in time. They came running to the to find it one way or the other. But what they found was different. Has your job disappointed you? Has your spouse disappointed you? Has life disappointed you? Has your employer disappointed you? Someone you are relying on has disappointed you. You need to become like Barnabas. Barnabas, the apostles described him. They gave him a name. His name was not really Barnabas. His name was Joseph. But in Acts of the Apostles in chapter 4, when you read verse 36, they renamed him Barnabas, which is the son of encouragement. If you have nothing else to do, find someone that you will encourage. Because what goes around does what? Comes around. Stand up on your feet.